Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. This is episode 141. I am your host, Spen Harris, and I am joined not by Nick, but by Peter from the Only Nets Fans You Know podcast. You can follow them at Nets Fans You Know. Peter, listen, you play your cards right tonight, and uh, Nick's going to be out of a co-hosting job. Love it. Let's go. Yeah, I mean. Let's fucking go. This guy misses more podcasts than Ben Simmons misses basketball games. <laughs> I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Yeah. Like I mean, you know, he's he's my so-called brother, but uh, I don't know, man. He's unreliable, and he was claiming that his back hurt tonight, but he seemed healthy to me, so you tell me. Just like Ben Simmons. Just like Ben Simmons. So let's talk about, you know, the Nets that actually have been on the court and playing basketball. Uh, it hasn't been super pretty in the two games out of the all-star break one. We got absolutely obliterated by Chicago, but let's start with the nail biting loss in Atlanta against the Hawks final score, 129, 127. Uh, Trey young hits the game winning shot. Was it a travel? Probably Cam Johnson. Absolutely a travel Cam Johnson with, with a big three to tie the ball game. Uh, but he left too much time on the clock for for Ice Trey. Uh, Peter, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I did not watch this game. I was at a sushi-making class in Manhattan. It was a wedding gift. Very cool experience. However, the class was three and a half hours, uh, and it started at 1.30, so I essentially missed the entire Nets game. Having said that, I, I was checking the score. I saw the box score. I saw how it ended. You watched a little bit more of the game than me, so – you know, as best as you can, please summarize what happened in this ball game that got us got us to that point where we lost uh, on a buzzer beating mid range jumper. Just like in the Bulls game, first quarter defense non existent. Thirty seven points by the Hawks in the first. It's eighty. It's sixty four fifty seven at the half. Nets are down eighteen with five minutes left in the second. Total disaster. This team looks. Totally out of out of whack. We come all the way back. Like you said, CJ hits a three. 7.8 seconds left. Just a little too much time left. And Trey Young just hit a game winner. Uh, this game is just... Uh, the description of this game is just missed opportunities. A turnover here. Spencer Dinwiddie gets a, a dunk. Gets a little too excited. Gets a technical on it. Points here and there left on the board. The Nets really used fast break points to get back into the game. But overall, uh, I feel like they really could have won this game. Bulls game, they had no chance to win. Hawks game, they definitely could have came back. Yeah, so I guess and if, if, if you could pinpoint who spearheaded their comeback, because that was a really good breakdown. Was it a combination of, of Dinwiddie, Cameron Johnson? Like, Who were the key guys who, who got the Nets back in this ballgame? Uh, I know I had uh, Dinwiddie scored 11 points in the fourth. I think he was four, uh, four or five or something like that. He only missed one three. That was his only shot that he missed. 
Cameron Johnson was great in the fourth. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith hit a big three. It was, a, I guess you could say, a group effort. They were 9-16 in the fourth. They hit five threes, five out of nine, 55%, not bad. Uh, but just too short. Roy Royce. Royce had a nice shooting game. Yeah, Royce only played five minutes in the fourth, but I think he scored uh, what, like 12 points. Yeah, Let's 12, 12 on points, four or six from the field, yeah. or four or six from three. Um, Cam Thomas, 22 points off the bench, six of 14 from the field. How was he in this game? It's I'm seeing minus five. Was that accurate, or, or did he have a solid game? I would say so. I think he missed a couple shots in the fourth. But I can you really blame the guy, though? No, like, no. He's, it, but we're trying, he's trying to offense. ball out. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. I feel like this offense is trying to get like blood out of a stone because there's nowhere to go and you gotta you kind of have to put the ball in his hands. Blood out of a stone. I've never heard that before, but I like it. Uh, I, I think I think every time Cam Thomas gets in there, he's trying to ball out. He doesn't care who's in the game. He's gonna get his shots off, and that's good and bad, right? Because if he's hot, he can carry a team, and if he's cold, he can kill momentum. Uh, seems like he shot under fifty percent in this game. Um, but I don't put losses on a guy like Cam Thomas. He doesn't play enough minutes. I actually played 29 minutes in this game. He's the, the sixth man, um, as Jacques Vaughn has kind of labeled him, 22 points in those 29 minutes. Uh, Nick Claxton, eight points, two of four from the field, 11 rebounds, five personal fouls. He was covering Trey Young on that game-winning shot. Uh, what have you taken away from Nick Claxton since the superstars have departed? All right. So there's been a lot of talk about Nick Claxton that, uh, you know, he's not the real deal. But people forget he's coming back from a hamstring injury. Anyone who knows basketball knows that this injury is going to take a while to recover. His numbers right before the hamstring injury, Kyrie was around. KD was not. I think it's 16 points, 11 rebounds. He was, you know, he was playing his role and playing it well. So I don't know if you could really put this on, on Nick Claxton. I want to see him get healthy first. But uh, I don't know what you think about this. I don't know if he'd even be playing if not for this situation that the Nets are in. I 100% I disagree with you. There is no way they wouldn't want to protect Nick Claxton from Nick Claxton. You know what I'm saying? If they're doing what they're doing with Ben Simmons, there's no way they're going to take the opposite approach and throw out a Nick Claxton who shouldn't be out there. I'll now, tell you why. I, yeah. uh, I got pushed back on you now. Okay, let me hear it. If you look at his minutes totals, they've been down lately. Not the Hawks game. He played, I think, almost 30 minutes in the Hawks game, but we've seen games of 15 minutes, 20 minutes. They don't have another center. If it's not Claxton out there, who's it going to be? Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it's nobody. It's Dayron Sharp, and then it's Dorian Finney-Smith as the fall, small ball five. Um, I just, I don't think that, I mean, look, yes. Can hamstring injuries linger at 100%. Uh, but you, you say that. And then like, I see plays like one of those first plays of the game. Didn't Nick Claxton have a breakaway dunk off a of steal? I'm not saying he's not, you know, hundred no, no, no. percent hurt. Yeah, okay. You okay. You don't do that on a bad hamstring. I had a terrible hamstring injury in the eighth grade. I tried to come back early, play on the travel team, stick it out. I was ineffic ineffective. I could not run. I, I could barely shoot. 
every like when you have a lingering hamstring injury, you look like James Harden in that playoff series against the Bucks when he came back and just couldn't do squat. So if Claxton's got a lingering hammy, it's not affecting him as much as I I I'd think it would if it were really that bad. That's fair, but I, I still think that he's not a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree to disagree. Um, I don't think there's much else with this game, mainly because I didn't watch it, but this is when we'll get to the bulls game in a second. I just think that the nets right now, they're a get right game for teams like the Hawks and the bulls. And that really frustrates me because we went from being a team that nobody ever wanted to play against, right? Like you knew we were coming in. It was KD. It was Kyrie or it was just Kyrie, but it's like, at least the team could sort of play off Kyrie, right? I'm thinking early in the year, uh, was it? I think it was this year. We like destroyed Utah, maybe, and Kyrie, maybe it was last year. No, no, but I can think it, it was this it was year. This year is this year they played. They played well in that West Coast swing. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right, and that that was after a rocky start, and they came back and had that big win. I remember because Markinen played really. Uh, Clarkson had a great game, and Markinen hit some big shots. But my point is we were a team that other teams feared. And now, you know, we go to Atlanta, you got Trey young licking his chops at the thought of, of facing a Nets team without KD and Kyrie. Right. We, we, what was the first game in Chicago or in Brooklyn? The one right after the all-star game. It was in Chicago, in Chicago. All right. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine don't see any superstars out there. And they, they lick their lips and they say barbecue chicken and they absolutely obliterate us. Pat Beverly, who had just signed with the freaking Bulls, saw a Nets team that is flawed and, and weak and just they haven't played together enough. So what, what really bothered me about this game, like, yeah, we gave a much better effort than we did in the Bulls game, but we're supposed to be a defensive-minded team. You let up 129 points to a Hawks team that's that's a 500 team. There's talk about them breaking it off with Trey Young in, in the offseason. Um, I, I don't know. I just – you know, after after an embarrassing loss like you had in Chicago, if you're a serious team, you come back the next the next game and win. And uh, I just I don't see the Nets as a serious threat in the East right now. No, not at all. And keep in mind the Hawks just fired their coach, right? Coming yeah, off that as that, well. That, yeah, but that can sometimes give a team juice. You know how that is when the assistant yeah. comes in and the guys are like, "Oh, you know, let's play for this guy." I think who is it? Joe Prunty's the interim head coach before they get Quinn yeah. Snyder. Yeah, former Nets so, coach. Former Nets coach. Um, all right, so we can move on from this game. Uh, let's talk Nets versus Bulls because, ironically, I didn't watch the game that we lost. Uh, you know, in a dramatic fashion in the fourth quarter, I watched the game that we lost by, I don't know, forty-four points. Final score: one thirty-one to eighty-seven. Um, this was just an absolute embarrassment out the gates. Chicago puts up thirty plus in the first two halves. I'm sorry, the first two quarters. The Nets put up less than 20 in the first two quarters, and that was all she wrote. This game was over by halftime. Um, just an absolute obliteration, and, you know, I cannot blame this Nets team as a collective because they have not played together enough, Peter. I, I, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. This is, this is a Chicago team that has stayed relatively the same throughout this entire year, and now they had a, a veteran in Pat Bev who – I mean, Pat Bev's one of those guys. If he's on your team, you'll love him. If he's not on your team, you absolutely hate him. But he came in here. He put up eight points in his debut. Every single Bulls player uh, who started this game 
was a plus 24 or better because they were just up the entire game. Zach Levine was 12 of 17 from the field, four of six from three for 32 points. I I can't remember a game in which Zach Levine only missed five shots out of 17 shots. And DeRozan killed us in that first half. He finished with 17 for the game. Um, Was there anything unique that you saw about this this blowout loss? And, And by the way, nobody on the Nets played remotely close to good. Cam Thomas led the way with 22, and Seth Curry had 19 garbage time points in the second half. I thought this was the kind of the stat of the game. The net starting lineup of Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Bridges, DFS, and Clack shot 12 of 42, 28%, 34 points. Basically, they got outscored by, what, the Bulls' first or second quarter? We're used to KD putting up 30 points a night, Kyrie 30 points a night, and our starting lineup barely puts up anything. It's it's ridiculous, but uh, I agree with you. They need more time to gel, but this is embarrassing. No, yeah, you, you can't lose a game like this the way you lost. Uh, Jacques Vaughn said it afterwards. You know, they, they can't, I'm paraphrasing, but basically they can't play this poorly. Um, and that's it, man. Two Two really bad losses out of the gate. Want a blowout, one a nail biter. I do want to just go back to the Hawks game for a second because I forgot about Spencer Dinwiddie's comments after the game regarding the referees not giving him the calls that he thinks he deserves. He mentioned the technical he got. What do you make a, a, of Dinwiddie sort of referencing Kevin Durant and the calls that superstars get as opposed to, you know, Dinwiddie who let's let's call Dinwiddie what, what he is. He's an above average player in the NBA. He's not an all-star. He's in that, you know, 50 to 75 range probably of of the top 75 players in the league currently. And um, he also has an aggressive mindset on offense. He goes to the rim a lot. But I thought it was a very interesting thing. Obviously, he's going to get fined like by the NBA. They're not going to let his comments slide because he clearly criticized the refereeing. Uh, But what did you make of those comments, Peter? You know, as Nets fans, we never have gotten the calls, right? This is business as usual. You know, Kyrie was driving a lot. KD was driving a lot. They were complaining that they weren't getting calls earlier in the year. Is it just a Nets thing? Like, I, I, I don't know. But he definitely has a point. Spence does drive to the hoop a lot and pretty much gets fouled on, a, I think, a pretty good basis, you would say, by how many, you know, complaints he puts in. He's always yelling at the referees, always feels like he's getting hit. So, I don't know. It just feels like business as usual. Yeah. It feels like the Nets can never catch a fucking break. That's what it feels like, right? You know, Dinwiddie gets some bullshit technical. They don't call a lot of fouls on him. And at the very end of the game, the refs miss a travel on Trey Young. And it's it's the story of our, you know, existence, right? Every single moment that the Nets can can take hold, Kevin Durant's shoe is too big. Um, or Joe Harris is ice cold from the field. And by the way, he is becoming unplayable. After that Hawks game, I, I, I think it's clear, and I'm seeing this a lot on Nets Twitter, him and Seth Curry are probably going to be out of the rotation because you have to give guys like Yuta Watanabe and Edmund Sumner a shot to see the court. You have to understand if they can be role guys with this team moving forward because you know what you're getting out of Seth Curry and you know what you're getting out of Joe Harris at this point. Um so I, we, we can keep it there uh, in regards to what the rotation will look like going forward. Peter, how much do you think Jacques Vaughn is, is going to change up this rotation? Or do you think it's going to be relatively stagnant throughout the, the next 
20 plus games. One thing that I thought was really interesting was I think they had a nine man rotation against the Hawks. So obviously he's, you know, he's tightening up the rotation. I think he's just trying to get more offensive guys in there. And if Joe isn't going to hit his shot, which is what's going on lately, he's not going to get in there. If he's not, you know, rebounding, if he's not defending, which he's, we know that he's not doing that. He's not that type of player. He's not going to get the minutes. I think you're going to see the younger guys get the minutes. Yuta definitely needs to get more minutes. I think it's a what, crime what that he's he not done playing. to lose minutes. I don't know. Just keep on hitting threes from the corner. I, look, I, I understand you have to play Bridges, DFS, and Cameron Johnson, but why? Like, I didn't understand why Joe Harris's minutes, you know, were a must. Yet you can throw Yuta Watanabe, who is more of a two-way player than Joe Harris. Let's let's be one hundred percent honest here. You throw him to the side, and you say, "All right, we'll call on you when needed." Um, Edmund Sumner has has been nothing but an energy spark for this team. He's you know there there was that Indiana Pacers game that he had a, a great great ball game in which they won with the backups. Yet you'd rather let Cam Thomas, in, which I understand Cam Thomas, but either him or Seth Curry. Like why do they have to be the point guards? You know Edmund Sumner is a point guard. You're you're not using him at his position. Um, I'm just a little frustrated with not only. Jacques Vaughn, but I'm pretty frustrated with Sean Marks, Peter. And uh, the reason is, and this brings me to my next segment. This segment is called Sean Marks is an illusionist. Why is Sean Marks an illusionist? Because he gave Nets fans the illusion that we would be a competitive bunch post all-star break, even without KD, even without Kyrie, even without TJ Warren, we would still be a force to be reckoned with. And I just don't think that's the case. I, I, I can, can we beat the Knicks on Wednesday? Maybe. But you look at that game versus the Bucs game, probably going to lose against the Bucs. We just lost against the Hawks and the Bulls, who are behind us in the standings. If you really want to call it for what it is, Peter, and, and you can tell me if you would disagree, because I, I respect your opinion as a Nets fan. I think the Nets might be the ninth or the tenth best team in the East right now. I think there's a good chance we don't make the playoffs. We're literally one injury away from maybe not making the playoffs. We have a good lead right now, you know, positioning wise, that maybe even if we flounder, we make it into the playing game. So maybe I'm just going a little bit too pessimistic. But listen to these stats. Last five games, the Nets are giving up 118 points, 40% from three. Yes, they're still getting it together, but there seems to be a lot of work to be done. I thought they played very well against Philly last week or whenever that was a week or two ago. But uh, I don't know. Have they regressed? I, I don't know. And I agree with you that Sean Marks has kind of sold us a dream. He, here's my – and it's not an issue, but that Philly game, sometimes it just clicks, right? No matter what the team is, no matter what the night is, sometimes the effort is there and the execution is there. And that night against Philly was just one of those nights where we had it for the majority of the game. And then Philly just took it at the end because we don't have a closer on this team. Um, you know, I got nice a, I got a question yeah. for you though. I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. I got a question. You're good. If the Nets win the Philly game, if the Nets win the Hawks game, what is your outlook on this team then with those two big wins? It's, it's much different, but at the same time, how did they lose those two games, Peter? 
on referee calls. Well, no. <laughs> not, uh, no, not having a closer. Right. Not right. having a closer. So if you play those games back 100 times out of 100, there is a strong possibility that even if we're winning at moments in the fourth quarter, we will lose that lead. And I love Mikhail Bridges, and I love Spencer Dinwiddie, and I love Cameron Johnson. But the one recurring theme that I've seen basically since the trades went down is not neither of those three guys are number one options, and neither of those three guys are consistent enough by like with production by themselves offensively to win you ball games. Now those are two different things, right? You don't necessarily have to be an incredible um Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant type star to win ball games. You, you know, like I look at uh I'm 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 trying to think like a Tyrese Halliburton is someone who I think of when I think like he's kind of the number one option on Indiana. They're not a great basketball team, but he can go win you ball games because he's a really good player, he's a smart player, and he knows how how to kind of run the offense. Um Dinwiddie Bridges and Cameron Johnson are all great and they have their moments. I haven't seen it on a nightly basis from any of those three guys to show, okay, come playoff time. I trust the nets because Dinwiddie's got him, or I trust the nets because Mikhail Bridges has got him. I haven't seen that. And what you have right now, you have this collection of players. Most of them play the same fucking position. You have like, one point guard or two point guards, Dinwiddie and Sumner are your only true point guards. You have two true centers in Nick Claxton, Dayron Sharp, and the rest of your team are wings and undersized twos. So I just get frustrated with Sean Marks because don't, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't not get a center and not get another point guard and tell me that this team's going to be competitive. We don't even have a full roster. Um, I just, yeah, this is this is something, Peter, that I honestly wish my therapist was a basketball fan because I would love to talk to them about the state of the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I, I'd want them to understand why I get so frustrated in moments like these. Um, and not to mention, I, I don't know, how many of your friends are Knicks fans? How many of your family members are Knicks fans? Majority. I'm pretty much, as, as the podcast that I run, you know, is the only Nets fans you know. I literally was the only Nets fans that people know in my neighborhood. So, you know, I'm I'm getting a lot of shit usually. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's amazing, right? Like for 4 years, Knicks fans just basically they knew that we were we were king of New York. And they would say, "Oh, you know, you're not as popular as the Knicks and you don't sell out arenas." But like from a basketball perspective, we were big brother and they were little brother. And let's let's be 100% real about that. Now, it's it's funny cuz like the Knicks aren't even great. They're good. They're probably the fifth best team in the East, right? I'd, I'd put Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and, and Cleveland over the Knicks. And maybe the Knicks are closer to Cleveland than people want to give them credit for. Um, but I, it's just crazy that all of a sudden I get, I'm getting texts from my diehard Knicks fan, Cousin Ray. Basically, I don't know what he wanted me to admit that the Nets totally fell off. And yeah, like I admit it. I'm not, I'm not shying away from that fact. Um, but I put part of this on Sean Marks. You knew what you were doing when you when you traded KD. And why did you have to appease him and Kyrie some? Well, more more KD than Kyrie. But 
Okay, fine. You want to stick it to Kyrie, not send him to LA, you send him to Dallas. Fine. Why was it so imperative to make Kevin Durant's trade wishes from the summer come true? I, I never understood. I, I did not get, oh, you want you, you don't like it here because Kyrie left. Okay, where do you want? Oh, you Phoenix, right? We talked about that this summer. You know what? Great. Kevin, I'll make this happen. If my name isn't Sean Marks, I got your back. Um, I, I just it, it was almost like he put Kevin Durant before the team. And now we're being sold this bullshit story on how the future is bright. I, I just, it worries me, Peter. It worries me for a multitude of reasons. Um, but I, I, to this day, I don't understand why Sean Marks did that. Maybe in two years, I'll be eating my words because we'll be a legitimate contender. But it seems pretty far-fetched right now. I don't know. I, I don't know if there was a promise made, you know, in the summer. Oh, if you stick with us and uh, at the trade deadline, if you're not happy, we'll, we'll send you to Phoenix. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if the Suns owner being friends with Josiah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I think the majority of Nets fans that wanted the drama, quote unquote, to leave are now kind of wishing they were, you know, going back to Katie and Kyrie every night. See, like in a perfect world, I would have just kept KD and been cool, you know, leaving Kyrie. Like if you had Katie still in this lineup with with Spence and Dorian Finney Smith and you know, Cam Thomas coming off the bench, Nick Claxton still here. Like they would still be extremely competitive. Would they be a top three team in the East? Absolutely not. But they'd, they'd still be really fun to watch if Kevin Durant were still here. Um, I do want to just go to Twitter real fast because I like to do this during the show and, and just call out some tweets that catch my eye. Uh, Mike Biseglia at Mike Delivers Pod hosted the Bad Weather Fans podcast with Alex Benezowitz. Uh, tweeted, the Nets becoming dust and the Knicks now surging is my personal hell. I think that's a pretty good illustration of how every Nets fan feels right now. Wouldn't you say? Uh, that's how I feel. Uh, I, I, I just wish we could turn this back. I don't know if we could have gone to Siakam or something. I just wish we could have gone back and maybe not do the Dallas deal because I feel like Spence... And Dorian Finney-Smith was, they were brought in to help KD, right? Finney-Smith yeah. is a, you know, he's, what, what is he? He plays great defense. He's a stretch four. The Nets have a lot of, like, stretch four types now. Like you said, almost kind of too many wings right now. What bothers me is um, I don't believe that when Sean Marks made the trade to send Kyrie to Dallas, I don't think, you know, they claim that they didn't know that they were going to trade KD during that moment. I think that's bullshit. I think that if that's the case, then if that's the case, then you're extremely inept at your job. If you didn't know that making a move like this would force force your best employee to request a transfer to another organization. Um, that really bothered me. So my point being, when they made, when they traded Kyrie to Dallas, I think Marks knew exactly what he was doing. I think he knew he was going to go to Phoenix uh, and make the deal with KD. Um, I like this tweet. This is a Sean Marks burner account, at Sean Marks Nets GM. I don't think this is the real Sean Marks, but I could be it's wrong. Not. He wrote, to the fans that can continue to berate me, insult me, curse the team, just know we believe in this group and this coach. I know you thought they would all gel, be their best in just a handful of games. That's not how this works. To the diehard fans that encourage us daily, thank you. Very funny burner account. Very funny tweet. Um, 
I just, I don't know, man. It's this whole thing is comical because everyone's been rooting for this to implode. Everyone has been rooting for the Nets to have zero success with this group. And guess what? They all got their wish. Every Knicks fan got their wish. Every NBA media member who fucking hates Kyrie and wants him to fail got their wish. Everybody who calls Kevin Durant, you know, a championship front-running bandwagoner got their wish. Because guess what? He's in Phoenix. He is trying to ride a successful team to the championship, and he'll put up 30-35 a night, but they're still a top-four team in the West. So this was something that everyone except Nets fans wanted to happen. And now it happened, and we are once again the laughing stock of the NBA. Only the Nets could go from having three Hall of Fame players talking about championships, saying, you know, we at least have to make the finals. We're at least going to get to the finals and only get one playoff series win. I know there's always the what ifs, but like, I feel like this could only happen to the Nets. This wouldn't happen to the Lakers. This wouldn't happen to the Knicks. This wouldn't happen to the Heat. It just, it just doesn't happen to anyone but the Nets. And I hate to sound like I'm bitching, but what else can you say? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, we just weren't meant to have nice things, Peter, us Nets fans. Uh, and it sucks. It's, it's absolutely pitiful. Um, and I also blame Sean Marks for the Ben Simmons trade, but that's, that's a rant for another day. So next two games, we have the Bucks. On Tuesday, uh, and we have the Knicks on Wednesday. What is your prediction for both games? 0-2. 0-2, yeah. Flat out. Flat out. They, this team needs more time to show their potential. Maybe the Knicks could, you know, rise a fire in them. I don't know. I think the Bucks game is going to be an embarrassment. I'd love to be wrong. Obviously, I root for the team. I'd love to be wrong. But I just I can't see this going any other way. I think the Knicks overtake us, and uh, I see a tough road ahead. I'll give us one and one. I think I think we lose to the Bucks. I think we come back and beat the Knicks in a close one. We're we're just due, and the Knicks are riding way too high right now. They need to be taken down a notch or two. They got a game against the Celtics tonight. I do not know the score of that game. Um, we can actually check right now. The score is. 76 67 the Knicks are up so this is one of those games I can see the Knicks winning against the Celtics and then losing to the Nets like one of those letdown games um but I give us one and one I I can't see us going one and six to start after the all-star break that's just not how basketball works especially in the the NBA um okay so I mean that's that's pretty much everything I wanted to get off my chest tonight uh, you know, my brother's a flake. Now that the Nets aren't super great, he, he can't make a normal Monday night podcast, but very thankful and appreciative that we have Peter from the only Nets fans pot, uh, the only Nets fans, you know, podcast. I got, I got there. Um, very reliable source for Nets information. Please follow his Twitter. Peter, the account is at Nets fans, you know, on Twitter, correct? You got it. All right, and let's let's just give some closing thoughts to all the Nets fans listening out there. You have their ear right now. What are the final words you got to give them as we you know finish out this season? Houston, we have a problem. 
Okay. I mean, yeah, if, if you're uh, if you're Philadelphia, you're probably worried about Houston too because there's a chance James Harden might go back to Houston. By the Tabo, way, the, the Tabo, only... no, 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 no. We got to talk about that. That would be what? fucking beautiful. Come on. That would be amazing. So, so the only cool thing about if everything works out the way I want it to, I really so like the Mavericks already look like a train wreck, right? Like let's let's be real. I don't think Kyrie and Luca are gonna be that team in the West that that people fear come playoff time. Like they're they're not a good basketball team. And now that Kyrie's there, it's 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 gonna it's gonna burst into flames relatively soon. So I love that. I understand the Suns are the favorite in the West right now. I'm not necessarily sold on them to just win the championship. I probably take them in a seven game series over anybody. But hey, this is the NBA. Injuries happen. The best team isn't always the team that goes all the way. So I would love to see those two teams lose. I would love to see the 76ers come up short yet again. And I would love, love, love for Harden to somehow go back to Houston next year. And then, like, you know Kyrie's eventually going to make his way to the Lakers, ruin that whole organization. And after this season, I I really can care less on what Kevin Durant does. Like, like if he stays in Phoenix and they win a championship or two, fine. It would suck. It's going to burn. Where It's going to sting if he wins anywhere else. But I would accept that as long as it's not this season. It's, it's too close. If he plays as a Brooklyn Net and wins a championship for another team in the same motherfucking season – you're not going to see a very happy Spencer uh, throughout the entire summer. Like, I'm just going to be a grouch. Because, in all honesty, these last five games that the Nets have played since they've made these trades, they've just they've absolutely affected my life for the negative. Uh, I don't walk around with the same pep in my step. I don't smile the same. I'm not as productive as work. I'm not as fun at family outings or dinner with friends. My wife hates me a little bit more. It's just the way it goes, Peter, when your sports team isn't doing well. And am I at fault for caring? Hell no. Okay, the Nets organization is at fault for not figuring out how to build a sustainable championship contender. That's on them. That's not on me. Do you think uh, you could ever root for KD again? Like, I know you said this season would hurt, but in the future, could you possibly see yourself rooting for him? I, I could. I could absolutely root for him again. Um, I don't necessarily love how he handled everything throughout from, from the trade request this summer to calling it back to then get like, once he called back the trade request, I was just hoping he would stick it out. And the fact that within eight months of that request, he actually got traded that sort of hit me below the belt. Um, so I'm, I'm just, you know, I, but I would root for him again because of what he gave to this organization because of, of the grind, the blood, sweat and tears, and I got a little choked up when I watched him talk about us at that uh, Phoenix presser that he first had when he got there. So I would root for KD again, just not this year. Is Kyrie sort of in the box of like, fuck you forever? Like, I'm never rooting for you again. Like, you fucking I mean, ruined I didn't, my I didn't life. For, I didn't root for <laughs> Kyrie before he was in Brooklyn. Mm. I didn't root for him on the Cavs. I didn't root for him on the Celtics. I rooted for him on the Nets because he's on my team. But it is what it is. I'm, uh, you know. We had to go through that experience to understand that's not what we wanted. Just like anyone goes through any bad relationship to know that's not what they want. What's the question? Harden and Kyrie, who do you hate more? Kyrie. Easy. I agree. I think think most Nets fans are not as annoyed with Harden after everything. But 
like, again, not as annoyed, still annoyed with the guy, still annoyed with Kyrie. The one guy that you really can't fault is Kevin Durant. But me personally, I would have liked to see him stick it out. All right, that does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Peter from the Only Nets Fans You Know podcast. Thank you guys all for listening. And uh, tune in next week for another edition of FSN Nets. And as always, Peter, you know, you know how to end the show? Do it for me. Help me out. I'm All struggling. Right. It's it's five simple Here. words. Catch See you, you on the, on fire, the fire side.